Welcome to Books and Rhymes, the podcast that makes you fall in love with reading while flipping the script with a musical twist on your favourite books. I invite guests to pair a book with a song or an album that sparks the same emotion and connection. I am your host, Sarah, a West African of the diaspora with a deep abiding love for the written word. Join me on a musical journey through the works of new and classic authors. This is a special episode recording with the 2019 shortlisted writers for the Kane Prize for African Writing in partnership with, you guessed it, the Kane Prize. This episode was recorded live in front of an audience at Library London. A playlist of songs featured in this episode and also a specially curated playlist to accompany each story curated by the writers is also available to accompany this episode. And the link is available on the show notes. Tweet your thoughts on this episode using the hashtag Books and Rhymes. Follow Books and Rhymes on Twitter and Instagram. The hashtag is Books and Rhymes and the handle on Twitter and Instagram is at Books and Rhymes. So today's conversation, these wonderful authors will be contextualizing their stories and underpinning them with music that aligns with their stories. Thank you. Before we continue, I'm going to invite the wonderful Dele Fatunla to come and say a few words about the Kane Prize. Good, e- good evening, everyone. A little bit about the Kane Prize for those of you that don't know. Um, the Kane Prize is an award for African writing that has now been going for 20 years. Um, this is the 20th award. So, um, and in that time, it has revolutionized the landscape for African writing. Um, And, you know, now we're thinking about what the next 20 years are going to look like. Um, We are in a position where we have, for the first time um, in the King, well, for the first time in the King's, uh, King Prize's history, we have over the past few years had um, an African in the leadership of the organization. We have Ella Alfrey with us today, who is our chair. So, uh, you know, I, I'm African too. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, but we're, we're, we're very proud to be partnering with Books and Rhymes, and I think particularly in the time that um, we are in, where the digital conversation is shaping how much, um, lit- how the way literature is perceived, I think it's really important for us to be having these kind of conversations. So um, I'm going to give it over to Sarah. And uh, before I do that, I should say we are very proud of all the writers who are on our shortlist. Um, I'm very grateful to you for coming here, being part of part of our work. Thank you. So Dele has very wonderfully introduced the Kane Prize. Now, the winner of the Kane Prize will be announced at an award ceremony on Monday, the 8th of July. And the prize is £10,000. I just felt like saying that because my account just would really benefit from that deposit, even though I haven't submitted any short story. So I'm going to quickly, <laughs> so I'm going to quickly introduce the wonderful authors on the stage. To my right is Leslie Neka Arima. Leslie is of Nigerian descent, born in the UK, and she grew up in Nigeria and also has lived in several countries around the world. Leslie is a prolific writer whose stories have received numerous literary honours and awards, including a National Magazine Award, a Commonwealth Short Story Prize, and an O. Henry Award. Oh, whoa. Again? (laughs) Her work has appeared in the New Yorker, Harper's, Granta. Her debut collection, What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky, was selected for the New York Times, PBS Book Club, amongst other honours. She lives in Las Vegas and, wait for it, she's working on a novel about you. 
You're going to have to explain that later. And then to her right is the wonderful Wambo Nana Nkweti from Cameroon. Nana's story, It Takes a Village, Some Say, was published in the, Bafa, in the Bafla. Nkwambo Nana Nkweti is a Cameroonian American and a graduate of the prestigious Iowa Writers Workshop. Beeper, we're doing this together. Woo! Nana, Nana's writing has been published in journals and magazines such as Brutal Paper, New Orleans Review, and The Baffler, obviously, which your short story was published in, amongst others. Her forthcoming short story collection, Like Walking on Cowrie Shells, focuses on the lives of hyphenated Americans who share their multicultural heritage in the United States of America. Could we please applaud the wonderful Nana? And then to Nana's right is, bear with me, is the amazing Cherry, Cherry Candier. Cherry is from Kenya. Her story, So My Mouth, was published in ID Identity, new short fiction from Africa. Cherry Candier is a Kenyan writer and a senior at a college in, in the United States. She also makes short films and enjoys dancing to Lingala, but only in her room. And then we have Tochiku Emmanuel Okafor from Nigeria, whose story, All Our Lives, was published in ID Identity, new short, new short fiction from Africa. Tochiku Emmanuel Okafor is a Nigerian writer who has won the 2017 Short Story Day Africa Prize for short fiction. He lives in Pittsburgh. He lives in Pittsburgh, United States, and is at work on a novel and a short story collection. <laughs> and then we have Miran Hadero, who is from Ethiopia. Her writing, The Wall, was published in McSweeney's Quarterly Concern, issue 52, in case you want to go and get it. Miran is an Ethiopian-American born in Addis Ababa who came to the U.S. as a refugee in her childhood via East and West Germany. She has been awarded residencies in Yado, Ragdale, and McDowell. She holds an MFA from the University of Michigan. Miran is a recipient of the 2019 to 2020 Steinbeck Fellowship. So I welcome you all to the Books and Rhymes live podcast recording. Feels like we're on a roller coaster. Okay, so in preparation for this discussion, I sent each wonderful writer here. I sent them a list of questions and I asked them to pair each question and the question um, aligns with the books. And I asked them to pair each question with a song or an album that sparks the same emotional connection. So I asked Lezineka Arimar to pick a song that is evocative of the feeling that the narrative atmosphere of skinned and genders for you and the song that captures the narrative atmos atmosphere you'd like skinned to engender for the reader. And you picked? Deer. I picked, I picked a Deer by Maria Mena. So before you explain what the song is about, could you give us a synopsis of your story and why that is a song? Then I'll play the song afterwards. Yes. Um, so my uh, short story takes place in a world where women are not permitted to wear clothing unless they're married. And so their husband gives them the clothing that they, um, that they wear. And if they're not married, then they do without. And... Um, 
So it's a story that um, deals with gender, obviously, but uh, also with issues of um, class and um, social hierarchy and who gets to wield power over another. I'll always treasure the naivety of the past we've shared. Our bodies grew much faster than our minds, but together we got good at stopping time. My teen angst drove me to hurt myself, and I made you watch. So why this particular pairing? All right. So um, the song is romantic, um, but the essence of the song um this idea that um so there's sorry one of the most important relationships in the story is between these two women who are friends and they came of age um and were essentially like disrobed around the same time and um they always thought that they would someday each be covered and sort of you know having this sort of sister relationship, but then one follows a path of tradition and the other does not. And I thought that this song, it's very sad and it sort of captures the nostalgia of that particular friendship where they are young and, um, you know, with you know, fellow late bloomers and just captures there's a particular sadness that of this like friendship that they've grown out of. Yeah. Yeah. And Merrin. Your story is about, um, whilst yours, Leslie, Nika, your story, um, to me, when I was reading it, it was quite disconcerting to read because I couldn't place it. I, it just seemed quite dystopic, but not in the... It's a quietly disturbing dystopic tale that rings very true and very real and very anchored. And, Marone, um, your story, The Wall, um, I'm not going to say anything about your story, so tell us about your story. <laughs> well, my story is rooted in uh, the 1980s in Iowa, um, and it is a story about a young kid who comes to Iowa uh, as a refugee and connects with uh, really a mentor or teacher there who had come to Iowa as a refugee decades before. And they become really, their friendship is a sanctuary to this child who's, you know, uprooted and very um, much seeking a sense of home and solidarity, which he finds through the shared language and shared experience um, with this, with someone in a different generation who's, who's there for him. And I asked you to pick a song that catches the spirit of your story, The Wall, and you picked? So I picked... So my sis I'm lucky that my sister is a musician, and I feel like some of what I do in writing, she does in music. And so it was a really logical thing to look to her work. And she has one song in particular. It's a remake of the Root song, You Got Me, and she brings in Ethio Jazz um, and um, you know American, the American tradition of jazz through the Preservation Hall horn um, section. And I feel like that blending is what I am also trying to do in the story, these kind of cultures merging and communicating and producing something new. Where 
I know you've explained um, the reason why you picked this particular song, but when you got the question, a song that captures the spirit of the world, what was the first thought that came to your mind? Well, the first thought that came to my mind is actually something that my father said about our experience when we were refugees, how global it was and how many um, countries and people were together in the places that we gathered, you know, the the you know, refugee home where we all lived, it was full of people from different cultures. In this uh, story itself, there are um, children that the narrator is friends with in Germany who are Turkish brothers, and then um, he ends up connecting with a refugee who's from Germany. And I just felt like that those kind of cultural, um, you know, moments of interaction, is that that's what captured it to me, and that's what I felt like. It, it's this kind of global universal experience that that transcends borders, but that is very shared. Um, and I think the song does it such wonderful justice, because, um, you know, You Got Me is one of my favorite songs. And then to hear that interpretation with sort of new jazz, and I wasn't expecting that, and I really appreciated it. Thank you. So going, speaking of um, cultures, displacement, and being transplanted, we're going to talk about your story, Nana. Your story is titled, It Takes a Village. And once again, tell our lovely audience what your story is about. Well, It Takes a Village is a two-part narrative. I have a first part, which is taken place by the adoptive parents of a young Cameroonian girl who's brought from the continent into a place that's unknown to her, and she has to kind of find her way. And um, we tried to understand the parents' rationale, what they wanted in, in trying to build their family, and that's the first part of the story. The second part of the story, called Their Girl, is told from the perspective of that young girl who was not so happy to be taken out of her family um, and brought to America, and, um, and wonders at the kind of way that the parents showed her love, which is kind of more based on capitalism and based on money and what could be bought for her. And, and she kind of like, okay, if that's what love looks like in America, I'm gonna, I want things bought for me then. Let me try to figure out how to make that my way and what this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. What love looks like in this society, so, yeah. 
And in keeping with the theme of books and rhymes, I asked you to pick a song that inspired It Takes a Village, some say, and yes, a, a book that inspired. So I, I gave you a different assignment from everyone else. <laughs> I asked you to pick a book that inspired It Takes a Village, some say, and pair it with a song or an album that obviously sparks the same emotion and connection. And you picked, you picked two books. I picked two books. Well, I picked a book and a story because I was interested, I mean, it's not very sexy to say that I wanted to try a technical thing, but that's what happened. I was interested in trying to understand what un unreliable narrators look like. Mm -hmm. And because um, my, my first pair, a couple, they speak so seductively. They tell you why they wanted a child. And you're just like, hmm, that makes sense to me. Then you start to see some things that don't make sense. And uh, Vlad um, Vladimir Navikov's Lolita had a, a humper humper, the libel na narrator who explains to you why he fell in love with a young girl who was very, very young. Um, and the other sh short story I chose was A Rose for Emily by William Faulkner, mm -hmm. because I love that story in terms of it's like a chorus of speakers of town folk who speak in a first person plural where they tell you we thought this and we felt that. And that kind of like influenced the structure of the book, of the story. And the song that you paired with Lolita is an eerie mm. apt song. It's called Don't Stand So Close To Me by the Police. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just made the connection right now. <laughs> and I'm not going to play the song for, once again, your listening pleasure. Young teacher. The subject of schoolgirl fantasy. She wants him so badly, knows what she wants to be. Inside her, there's longing. This girl's an open page. Bookmark her, she's so close now. This girl is half his age. very strange to have my leg bopping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite concerned that you were so quickly able to find a song to go with Lolita. I mean, he, he literally said Nabokov, that book by Nabokov. <laughs> <in the, laughs> <laughs> so it's like a no-brainer. <laughs> and the, the other, um, the story that you selected is A Rose for Emery, Emery? Emily. Emily, pardon my tongue, for Emily. <laughs> And the song that you paired it with is No Good Man by Billie Holiday. No good man Loving on the no Never treats me as he should That ain't good He's always so for Emily is like a, it's beautiful southern gothic gothic story and it has a love story that goes sour in the middle and the that's the crux of it and we have this uh, the town folks I was mentioning before 
they're looking at the story of this woman who stays in, in her home and she doesn't come out because she was jilted by a lover long ago. And I don't want to do some spoilers, but some really hinky stuff happens. And uh, there are not that many roses for Emily, but because her man was a no good man. So <laughs> Wonderful. And song is so nostalgic, it's haunting, it's got lots of emotion in it. And I feel like the emotion in No Good Man, it's indicative of the emotion that the reader goes through, you know, when the reader takes a village we say. Um, and I like the point you made about the unreliable narrator, because I did believe her, but I don't know, you decide whether I'm a good judge of character or not when you read the, when you read the story. Um, so Cherry, your story, is titled So My Mouth. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Pourquoi? Why So My Mouth? <laughs> Why? So it's actually a direct translation from the Kiswahili phrase, Shonam Domo, which means so your mouth. It's, it's a completely direct translation because I feel grammatically it would, it would be uh, so my mouth shut. Mm. So um, every person who's been to a Kenyan primary school and was, you know, kind of naughty, probably had a uh, shanamdomo. So that's where it comes from. Hmm. Yes. And <laughs> why this particular story? Why? Uh -huh. What is your story about? And why was it important to write your story? Yes. Yeah, so the narrator of my story is a very silent person. She's both silent and silenced. So she experiences the world through this very, you know, very, it's almost like a mute, muted uh, point of view. And almost like her mouth is sewn shut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. When reading your story, like you said, it's like a mouth was sewn shut. She's telling us. Yes. The, you know, the narrator is narrating a story. We don't know her name, yeah. but she's telling the story and she's telling us about other people yes. and we don't know anything about her. Uh -huh. And I felt like she's speaking from the periphery, yes. even though she's centered in the story she's telling, but she's still peripherizing herself. It's, that's a new word if, it's not, if it doesn't exist, by the way. <laughs> peripherizing. <laughs> so I asked you to pick a book <clears throat> about loving on the periphery yes. and pair it with a song or an album yes. that is evocative of the same book. Yes. And you picked? I picked Under the Udala Trees by Chinalo Oparanta, mainly because it deals with the same subject matter. And I picked Do What You Gotta Do by Nina Simone uh, to signify the way you just have to love uh, no matter what, no matter how difficult it is, because it's it feels like the right thing to do. Do what you gotta do. Come back and see me when you can. Man, I can understand how it might be kind of hard to love a girl like me. I don't blame you much for wanting to be free I just wanted you to know I've loved you better than your own kin did From the very start 
It's my own fault what happens to my heart You see I've always known you'd go So you just do When I um, give the assignment to people for books and rhymes and by the way I only just learnt recently that it's a huge assignment please um, I didn't realise how huge it was until someone protested like you gave me so much work um, when I gave the assignment I'm always I'm always curious as to how people make their connections because lots of connections are so spot on. Um, so, Cherry, like, how did this song drop in your mind that Nina Simone's Do What You Got To Do is the right song um, for Chinelo Parantas? So, yes, I went to college in New Hampshire and we would have very terrible winters, very dark and cold winters. And most of the songs that ended up on your playlist are the songs that got me through those winters. <laughs> so, uh, so I went to uh, YouTube. So YouTube's algorithm is very helpful in suggesting similar songs. <laughs> so um, I picked songs that I had, you know, that I had, done, I had identified with very strongly before. And that's how I did your homework, which is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so, Chiku, your yeah. story is titled All Our Lives. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All Our Lives. There are so many characters, so many. The story is short, but there are so many movements in the narrative. There are so many progressions, um, so many people in the story, and so many actions as well. Pray tell why. Why? Ah, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I wanted to write about the human experience in totality. I wanted to, so when I began to write this story, I felt I was going to go crazy, by the way, because there were different voices in my head. And I was looking for a way to capture all these voices, all these lived experiences into a single story than spreading them into different stories. And so that was how all our lives came about. So when a reader is reading your story, what is the impact? What do you want them to take away from all our lives? That's a nice way of asking, tell us about your story. But when the reader is reading your story... <laughs> um, I don't think my story sets out to be didactic in the sense I don't want my story to teach people something. I, I want the reader to take away the fact that the human, well, the experiences of these characters are just as valid as our own experiences. So I'm telling the reader not to be judgmental of the characters in the story. I'm also telling the reader to see through the eyes of these characters. And I ask you to pick a song that captures the atmosphere of all our lives. And you picked... So I picked Enya, Less Than a Pearl. I'm going to play this song and you're going to explain why. is my favorite singer and um, 
I before I write, I try to listen to music. So it's it's sort of like my ritual I perform. Listening to music puts me in the mood of writing. And I listen particularly to Enya because of the poetic feel of her music. And so this particular um, excerpt of the song you played is... So Enya is um, a, Celt um, a Celtic singer and... So this particular excerpt translates to, um, I'm going to read it. It means less than a pearl in the sea of stars. We are a lost island in the shadows. It may be our words become lost. It may be our words find nothing, find no one. We call into the distance. So I wanted to capture the lost words of these characters together in this single story. I asked each of you to read an excerpt, to prepare an excerpt of your story to read. And Tochiko, would you mind reading an excerpt from your story? Okay, sure. So I'm going to read um, the opening paragraphs of All Our Lives. We are city people. We live in wooden shacks alongside lagoons that smell of decaying fish and shit. We live in rented apartments with flush toilets and airy bedrooms. We live under bridges with torn tarpaulins to cover us, feet pounding and vehicles speeding above our heads. The air in this city is rancid with sweat, gas flares and sun-worn garbage. Some of us live in face-me-I-face -face use. We are tired of the daily bickering with our neighbors, of the lack of privacy, of infections contracted from pit latrines. We wish we had our own homes, homes full of servants and pets, with pretty gardens and fences to shield us from the foulness of this city. We are Chikam Nelanya, Ogenap Orobo, Abdurashid, Olarewaju, Alamisia, Tamuno Dieprie, Onwe Puchema, Torise Mubone, or Richetimein. We are 25, 26, 27 years old. We are from the north, south, southeast. Some of us do not know where we come from. We are tall, plump, lanky, short. We speak Igbo, Yoruba, Kalabari, Hausa, Ishakiri, Ijo, Pidgin English, or a mix of them all. We are Catholics, Pentecostals, Muslims, Adventists. We do not believe in any God. We are single. We have wives and children that we have left behind in our villages. We come from families of five, eight, ten, or we come from polygamous homes, or we do not know if we have families at all. We like to eat apple and ufogono, eba and gwegiri, amala, tsuo, beans, rice. We do not eat salad or chicken or pizza because they are expensive. I think I'll stop there. <laughs> Like I said, your story is so vivid and it moves very quickly. You're taking the reader on a very quick journey with you. And I didn't mind that there is no particular one character that the narrator is painting. It's, it's like a bird's eye view of this, of this very interesting world. And we'll discuss l later about the permutation, how the story moves on. Um, Leslie, 
Would you mind reading an excerpt from Skinned? Since I'm not starting from the beginning, I'm just going to provide um, a very brief synopsis. The, so as we know, this is a world um, where women have to be naked until they're married. And the main character of the story is Edgem, who is a woman who is getting up there in years and, um, and still remains unclaimed and is, has no desire to be. And so she encounters um, a wealthy, independent, independently wealthy woman named Odinaka, who essentially gives sanctuary to women like her. And so here she is um, in this um, house that they live in, and she meets some of the other women there. Doreen, a woman close to 50, became Ejem's favorite. She owned a bookstore, one that did as well as far as bookstores went, and she had the air of someone who knew exactly who she was and liked it. She eschewed the option to self-clothe. Let them stare, Doreen would declare after a few glasses of wine. This body is a work of art. She would lift her breast with her hands, sending Ejem and the other women into giggles. The remaining women, Morayo, Wakaso, and Miriam, were polite but distant, performing enough social niceties to sidestep any allegations of rudeness, but only just. Ejem and Doreen called them the three M's, or after a few drinks, Mm, no, for their recalcitrance. They sometimes joined in Odinaka's near-nightly cocktail hour, but within a few weeks, the group solidified to Odinaka, Delilah, Doreen, and Ejem. With this group of women, there were no snide remarks about Ejem's nakedness, no disingenuous offers to introduce her to a man, any man, who could maybe look past her flaws. Odinaka talked about her vast business, Doreen about her small one, and they teased each other with terrible advice neither would ever take. Ejem talked some about the career she'd left behind, but didn't have much to add. And for the first time, her shyness was just shyness, not evidence of why she remained unclaimed or an invitation to be battered with advice on how she could improve herself. Besides, Arunaka talked enough for everyone, interrupting often and dominating every topic. Ejem didn't mind because of all of them, Arunaka had had the most interesting life, one of unrelenting luxury since birth. She'd inherited the weaving company from her father when he retired almost a decade ago, which had caused an uproar. But if one of the wealthiest dynasties wanted a woman at the helm, it was a luxury they could purchase. And if that woman indulged in covering herself and collecting and caring for other unclaimed women, who had the power to stop her? Even in the confines of the building in her own unit, Ejem didn't have the courage to put on any cloth. At Orinaka's cocktail hour, Doreen would sit next to her and declare, it's us against these bashful fuckers, Ejem, setting off an evening of gentle ribbing at everyone's expense. You really go to your store like, ja like that, Ejem asked Doreen one afternoon. Why don't you cover yourself? No one will say anything if they know you're one of Orinaka's women, right? She was trying to convince herself that she could don the cloth. Doreen stopped perusing invoices to give Ejem all her attention. Look. We have to live like this. I was disrobed at age 10. Do you know what it feels like to be exposed so young? I hid for almost a decade before I found, found myself, my pride. No one will ever again make me feel uncomfortable in my own skin. I plan to remain unclaimed and uncovered for as long as I live, and no one can say a damn thing about it. 
Orinaka rebels in her own way and I in mine. I don't yearn for the safety of cloth. If the law requires me to be naked, I will be naked and I will be goddamned if they make me feel uncomfortable for their law. Wow. All right. <laughs> no, because I mean, uh, honestly, I really can't tell you. I can't over, over stress how important it is to read the shortlisted stories. Honestly, they are a wonderful treat of the mind, of the intellect, of the imagination. Um, like I said, I couldn't place. I, I couldn't place um, skinned in a particular world. I know you know is placed somewhere familiar you know, because of the names. <laughs> but in terms of situating it in, in existence, I just, I couldn't. And following Ajem's, uh, her progression and her fractured relationships and the new relationships that she found along the book, I began to, I became curious as to the importance to you of Ajem's existence and also how that contrasts with Odinaka's existence as well. Um, yes, you know, ultimately this is a story about female friendship. And, you know, when I first wrote it, I had all these grand ideas about oh, it's going to be about revolution and the fighting the power, but it ended up being a story about female friendship, which I think is important to, you know, for us to sort of give attention about the attention about art to. Um, and I, I needed, so Odinaka is essentially. Um, I guess the queen, queen, the queen bee, and she, she's, you know, she has, she has the money and the privilege that she never has to deal with any of the, um, uh, and sort of juggle any of the social problems that the other women um, have to deal with. And I think, I think the story needed somebody who essentially um, broke the rules, um, and somebody who was uh, very. Um, unapologetic and bold about the fact that she, you know this is like she considered her world to do whatever she wanted as opposed to Ejem who our main character who was lost mm -hmm. and the interesting the interesting thing is there's a lot of juxtaposition a lot of contrasts in the story um, I asked you to pick a song that captures Ejem's character and spirit and you picked Picked. Should I tell you? <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> I, I know it's a, I know it's a You picked "Tomorrow Is My Turn" <laughs> by Nina Simone. Yes. I'm going to play this song, and Leslie's going to explain her choice. It sounds like a threat, doesn't it? Whenever summer is gone, there's another to come. You can't stop years drifting by. Even if you want to try Though time may help you forget All that has happened before But honey, it's too late to regret What is gone will be no more Tomorrow is my turn No more doubts, no more fears Yeah, yes. and so I picked that song um, to uh, capture Edgem because she is... Um, you know, especially after sort of Odinaka rescues her, she starts to feel a level of hope for what her life can look like. She's essentially surrounded by all of these women who are who are breaking the, the you know the rules in their own way, and she feels some hope that 
there is a space for her in, in, this, in this world. Yeah. So. Speaking of hope, um, it takes a village, begins with hope. You have the narrator, the parent, talking about bringing this child into their home. And it's very hopeful about, you know, they're adopting this child from the continent and they're in America. And as to be imagined, they're preparing the house for this child. They're trying to contort themselves to suit what they feel and what they believe this child needs to be able to settle into America. And I asked you to pick a song that captures the narrator, because, you know, the the stories, you have two narrators, as you mentioned earlier in the book, in the story. I asked you to pick a song that captures the narrator of the second part of the story. And you picked... Bastard by Jovi, Jovi Lo Monstro. <laughs> Side not there, but they know the grease stop. Now sauce with the talk, but they did it the lock. Motor boy no fee walk if the motor boy no fee talk. Money for ground before you want talk. My eye don't red, I know the air cock. My quad only handbook. It's a club, chop the one buff. Keep on low key. You bop that guy, oh man, go no alarm clock. Give junk for day, give junk for ya. So my forget the drink up. He self describes a monster. Uh, because he feels like an outlier. He feels kind of disaffected and under misunderstood, much as my main character in the second volume, Zora, feels misunderstood. I love his kind of braggadocio and his kind of like hustle mentality. And that very much encapsulates what Zora is all about. She's like, I had this opportunity to come to America. They adopted me. Um, and I didn't know I was going to come here, but I'm going to make the best of my, ch uh, my chance to be here. And I'm going to hustle. Um, and uh, my, my, that's the section she's in, she speaks French, she speaks Camfranglais, she speaks Pigeon English, she speaks proper English. Um, and uh, Jovi Lamontre speaks in all those different kind of languages and that kind of, kind of multi-hyphenate language, that kind of hybrid kind of person is very much what Zora is like. She's, a, she's who she has to be to kind of make it in the world. I, the bit with the language really struck out to me mm -hmm. because the language aspect in the narrative was where Zora is asserting her intelligence mm -hmm. because her intelligence was called to question whether or not she could speak a Western language. Yes, there's a, a, a moment when they're asked, does she speak proper English? And she's like, I speak French, I speak um, Camfranglais, I speak all these languages, unlike you, who says proper like topa. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so she's very much, you know, her entire assertion is that I'm not that stereotype of what you think an African child is supposed to be like, you know. So when she's talking, she's telling you, like, I know what you've seen on the news. I know what you saw in that telethon yesterday, but that's not who I am. I'm fierce. I'm, I'm me. And my story is my own and my narrative is my own to tell. Given that in all our lives, we have a narrator who is very, the narrator knows who they are, you know, um, but they haven't introduced themselves to people. They're very, I would, I like to think that they're, you know, she's a disingenuous narrator and I'm not sure how about her honesty and how I, much I can trust her. Um, but this narrator, she's very, 
it's wonderful. Like you've got very strong women in the stories, in you know, in the stories that feature women. These women are very strong, and by strong, I mean strength of character, assertive, immovable. Whether you know they're responding to um, to the curves, to life's curveballs, but their character is unshakable and, and you know, um, incontestable. Um, that leads me to sew my mouth. Where we're talking of Zora, who is very, very strong and very self-assured and is making situations work for her in a way that mm, raises eyebrows and raises a lot of question. The narrator in So My Mouth, she's navigating the world in, an, in a very uncertain, in a hidden way. And I asked you to, that if you had to describe the narrator in one song, which song would you choose? I picked Mapenzi by Kidong. He's Burundian and the song is Mapenzi. Kamani Mapenzi. So Mapenzi means love in Kiswahili and in the one of the lyrics um he says which means I have been trapped by love. And that's what I feel like the main character is going through. Uh, she's in a situation where love is like a, it's a terrible thing, but it's something that she can't live without. And so it's something that she puts up with. That's, a, that's what um, Kidum talks about basically in the song. I'm yeah. curious as to the motivation because, I mean, I know that love is complex and your story, even <laughs> it, it, it explores the complexity of love. It, it just, I'm curious as to why, the reason why there is no resolution with regards to the main character in the story. Well... That the fact that she didn't, like there wasn't a conclusive ending. That yes, she and why she stayed, even though she's been in this limbo for a very long time, and, and why she's still in the relationship. Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's unexplainable is, shows what love is. Mm. <laughs> uh, you hold on to things that hurt you mm. even though you have every means to leave them mm. yes Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> so... So cool. You've read an excerpt of All Our Lives. And I asked you to pick a song that is evocative of the complexities of the narrator. And you picked? Um, I remember. <laughs> Shall I remind you? <laughs> okay, I picked, yeah, I remember what I just, I picked Creep by Radiohead. And why that particular song? Um, so... Creep is about, um, it's a song about, well, it's a song of how we want to be like the other. So it, it's it's really, it's really about wanting to, so you see the next person as perfect, and so you want to be like that person. So I found these complexities in the narrators in the sense that they want a better life. They feel everyone else in the society is getting a better life. Why shouldn't they get a better life? And so this song helped me capture them, helped me capture them with. Float like a feather in a beautiful world. I wish I was special. So fucking special But I'm a No, no, no. I'm not being judgmental. There's no judgment here. It's just thinking. <laughs> Can I say that that song is also on my playlist? Oh. For, yeah. I feel like it can be like the soundtrack for all my female characters. Because <laughs> aside from picking songs to go with this conversation, I asked each writer to pick, uh, to curate a playlist to their story. And, and um, so Creep just happened to be in Leslie's. So I want to, so you've already explained why creep. Mm -hmm. Do you want to provide more context? Are you happy with the explanation yeah, you gave? So there is this section of creep that I really like because it's I feel it's very reflective of what my story is about. Um, so it's oh I thought I had it. <laughs> so it's um it's when Radiohead 
so Radiohead is like a band of, band of singers. So when they said in this part of the song where I wish I was special, you're so very special, but I'm a creep. So it's a kind of self-denigratory song, like you bringing down yourself and thinking that the next person is better than, than you are. And so, which is, well, when I was writing that story, I felt my characters were also experienced similar feeling in the sense that they felt everyone around them was better than they had. And so they had to go through any means to make themselves reach the level of the other person. And so whatever means or crook, whatever means they had to use, whatever device they had, they had to use it to get to the level of the next person. Mm. Your story, um, All Our Lives, it reaches, all your stories you reach outside of, it's, it's not rooted in a particular geographical place. Some are explicitly not rooted and some, some stories' rootlessness are implied. Um, in the war, it's explicitly about ruthlessness. It's about displacement, um, temporality, loneliness. Um, and you even, I like how you use maps as a metaphor of being grounded, even though maps are a thing. Do you know what I mean? Yes. You know, so relationships are found not in how, not in how we live and how we expect them to be but relationships things are then adapted to form a kind of fruitlessness right they're, they're almost animate in a way you know a map the borders move mm. um you're you're in you're in you're out walls go up i mean they're they have their own history and their own stories and I, because your story is so explicitly about exile i asked you to pick a song that captures the feeling of exile as exemplified in the story and I picked? think for that one I chose Over the Rainbow <laughs> yes. because it is a child narrator and before I was saying he although I have to say I went through great went to great pains to not name the gender this is a narrator that actually can read both ways and I, I have had readers say have different experiences of reading the story um, when they see the narrator um, as a boy or a girl, and I, I know with short stories, we're trying to cover a lot of ground with not very many words, so we add what we can and take away what we think might add another layer. Um, but the narrator is very much, um, you know, has experienced that kind of escape through imagination and creativity uh, and is looking for escape, and I think Over the Rainbow captures that. And the dreams that you dream of once in the love abide, abide, I thought this one was, um, you know, it, it captures that innocence, um, and the narrator is given by because, you know, his life had so much silence in it. Uh, he didn't speak the language and was so dislocated. Um, but through this journal, he was able to communicate and, you know, find a way to express himself. And I just felt that this would be the way that he, this would be like what's playing in his head when he's writing in that journal, you know, like this is the, the tone of it. And why was it important for journaling, for him to journal? Because there's no other... Because he does need to express, and he needed that outlet. Hmm. Speaking of living between 
to worlds. Yes, displacement is living between multiple worlds, actually, because they move between different countries and are in different states of minds as well. In all our lives, the characters move between different worlds in a digital age. <laughs> they move between different worlds in a digital age. And I ask you to pick a song that is evocative of the complexities between the global south and the west. Mm -hmm. um, I ask that question because... It then the story then becomes a, becomes a parody, almost, where the characters are then weaponizing, in my opinion, um, their mm, yeah no I don't want to give anything away. The characters are then maneuvering the world in a way that um, is very intelligent, and in a way that situations that would normally disempower them, they then have agencies. They then they re they refashion disempowerment as agency. So I asked you to pick a song that um, is evocative of that complexity between the Global South and the West. And you picked? I picked um, Emily Sunday, Read All About It. You've got the words to change a nation, but you're biting your tongue. You've spent a lifetime stuck in silence, afraid you'll say something wrong. If no one ever hears it, how are we gonna learn your song? So come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Explain. <laughs> I mean, this is a very tough one. Um, I chose this particular song because of the way I choose to interpret it. Um, most people would interpret it differently. It's, some would say it's about two gay lovers who can't really come out to the society because they feel the society will judge them and not accept them. For me, this song is really about... Um, it's really about how we choose not to be crystal clear with the problems that affect us as a society. I mean, I'm currently living in America, and... There are, there are experiences, so there are lived experiences that we shouldn't, we shouldn't define for the next person. Everyone should be allowed to define their own lived experience. And so it's this, um, it's this wanting to mute other people's voices. I feel it's, I feel it's what's captured in this song as well as when you look at the global south and when you look at the low income and middle income class of the global south, you realize that it's, it's not them speaking for themselves. It's, it's people who in power who speak for them. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, you, for example, poor communities, let's say poor communities in Nigeria, you realize that they don't have their own voice. They feel very muted. And so people define what their problem is and they don't really have their own voice. And so for me, Emily Sunday's read all about it is just capturing this um, muteness, but wanting to come out of this silence. That ties very well with Skinned, with Odinaka's character in Skinned, where a person, society has placed certain strictures on a particular group in society and a person within that group decides that no, I'm not going to 
adhere to this. I'm going to use, this is my interpretation. I'm going to use my modicum of power. I'm going to fashion that and I'm going to fashion it, you know, to, um, yeah, I'm going to interpret it as an agency. And then I'm not only going to liberate myself, I'm going to take other people to the promised land with me. <laughs> with me. And then I ask you to, um, I ask you to pick a song that exemplifies a relationship between Odinaka, who is the person I'm talking to, the person who decides to liberate other people, and the way that she has chosen to navigate the world. By the way, I love your song choice, by the way. <laughs> yes. Um, do you want to tell us your song choice? Yes, um, the choice was Bodak Yellow by Cardi B. I don't dance now, I make money move. Say I don't gotta dance, I make money move. If I see you now speak, that means I don't fuck with you. I'm a boss, you a worker, bitch, I make bloody moves. Now she say she gon' do what or who? Let's find out and see Cardi B. You know where I'm at, you know where I be. You in the club, just to party. But why this particular pairing? Even though it's very exciting. <laughs> um, oh, I have a few regrets, but no, I am, um, you know, I was specifically the line, you know, where she says, you know, um, I'm a boss, you're a worker. Bet you know, she, um, and I picked, uh, I felt that this song very much fits Odinaka because she is, at first, a character that provides this liberation, but we come to find out that because of the position that she holds, because of her wealth, because of her um, her just immense immense level of privilege that she has, she is um, a, she pr she practices what I think of as a sort of capitalistic feminism, which is that. Um, Women are women winning because I'm a woman and woman and I can buy whatever I want. Like it's a very it's a very sort of narrow, um, very sort of narrow self-serving mm. feminism. And so she is, you know, so she's all about liberating these women and like, you know, having them come and like, you know, like free them from having to, you know, walk about, you know, naked out in the outside. But at the same time, she she has um uh she works like to the bone this group of women who belong to a subclass within the story the osu women who um who are essentially um a class that's bit like a, a, medial, a menial class of of women and so someone like Ejem is not of a menial class but she is of like she's up at the privileged class, but not but not privileged because she has not like followed the rules. I just wanted a story that complicated the idea of what it means to essentially be a liberator. To mm. you know, the idea that you can be both oppressed and an oppressor, mm. and um, and yeah, like you know, so you know, Adenaka is all about like let's look at what I have done, but it's very much self-serving and and not entirely altruistic. There's so many connections between your stories because, I mean, Odinaka, from the outright, is someone who is altruistic. But then is she really being altruistic? And who is she being altruistic for? And um, it's also, to me, it's also about the blind sight and the blind spots of people's personal politics. 
how you can be a warrior and a fighter on one hand and also an oppressor on the other. And I really can't overstress the importance of reading the stories. They're amazing. And the connection between them is just, it really gets the mind thinking. Um, so speaking of a liberator slash oppressor, I asked um, Nana, I asked you to pick a song that captures the spirit and character of the Salikis who adopted the narrator, one of the narrators in the book, in the story. I keep saying books, in the story. Um, yes, I asked you to pick a song that captures the spirit of the spirit and character of the Salikis, and you picked. I did it my way by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I've had a few. But then again, too few to mention I did what I had to do Saw it through without exemption I planned Why that so? Yeah, you know, you know the answer to the question. The next question is going to be why? Well, the Salikis, I mean, well, Obluwise, Frank Sinatra, he's very unapologetic about the way he lived his life. And, um, and and in some ways, when the Salikis are telling you why they chose to essentially buy this child from Africa and bring her there, they felt that they were really, you know, you're talking about oppressor, uh, liberator. They thought they were saving this child and they were saving her family and bringing her up from poverty because their idea of what family looked like meant that they had to have the two-car garage and you had to have, like, the, the newest kicks and everything had to be sparkly, sparkly. It was, as Zora would say, shine, shine, you know? <laughs> um, and this is what their idea was. So they're, when they're trying to tell you, this is what we had to do, the regrets, we've got a few, but, you know, we did it our way. We chose a child and we tried to make a family. And this is what, you know, it, it went horribly awry, but we tried our best. So that was why I chose that song to kind of encapsulate their their idea of themselves. Takes a village or so they say it's about once again displacement. You know, a child is displaced without do children actually really have any consent or any say in their displacement? Where on one hand, you know, in the war the child is displaced for reasons that the parents have no control over. Right. And and in the wall I would say also the consent is pretty limited in general. The they there's very little about the actual background of the the characters before they they became refugees, but they had to flee. I mean, that's that's universal, and so yeah, you're right. The yeah. agency isn't really there, except um, you know, to they have to move forward. Yeah, and it's also about how they interpret that movement as well. Where Zora is understandably very upset about it and she is she you know she takes certain actions to show her displeasure about that um you know displacement and also her displeasure at her displacement informed her relationship with her contemporaries at school whereas in the wall our unnamed narrator has a different relationship right. at school so i asked you to pick a song that is evocative of the relationship between our unnamed narrator and his school buddy yes. who is named lee yes who also in the story, she says she flees her first home. Um, and the song I chose was This Must Be the Place, actually precisely because it had um, that lack of agency and you know that kind of sense of drifting, but also seeking rootedness. Um, and yeah, and 
that's yeah so that's the talking heads jaunty tune yeah and I also you know thinking of the characters being children I you know they're they do interact with a lot of playfulness there's a lot of um kind of sweetness in their exchanges and you feel like they either really understand each other or they don't get each other at all um but I I thought that that song was probably of what they were all, each going through and trying to find in each other yeah so, so my mouth. I asked you to pick a song that perfectly captures the complexities of the relationship between, between Magda and the narrator. So in So My Mouth, as you know, is a story, is, is, is a complicated love story where the narrator is on the periphery. And we know she names the other characters in the story and she's unnamed. So, and Magda is the object of her affection. Yes. So I asked you to name, to pick a song that captures that complexity. And which song did you pick? Please be mine. By the song that just ties it perfectly to the narrator mm -hmm. so um please be mine it's a very sorry okay it's a very um it's a it's a song that displays lots of yearning but also confusion like confused yearning so she molly sings um told you that you're my very best friend and she's begging but it's also she's aware that she's begging for something that's gonna cause her pain right and just, it just came very just very perfectly fit uh with the narrator mm -hmm. yes i also asked you to pick a song that because the, the there is a very strong atmosphere of fear yes in your story uh -huh. so i asked you to pick a song that articulated that fear mm -hmm. and you picked baby can i hold you <laughs> by B baby can i hold you by tracy chapman yeah which yes, is I a did. wonderful wonderful song forgive me <laughs> made it happy but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> baby can i hold you tonight yes pourquoi 
That's so funny. Um, so probably gonna drop some spoilers, but curve them, curve them. Okay, but baby, can I hold you tonight? And fast car by Tracy Chapman. A kind of this are kind of lesbian anthems. Oh, <laughs> 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 um, they both have a. They both are circular songs, right? And when when she comes back, when the when Magda comes back, she tries to hold the narrator and the narrator doesn't want that but she still so they kind of both want to be with each other but it's the societal pressure is too much it's very it's bearing down so heavy on them that their desires are so convoluted and you know they just keep missing each other and maiming each other and hurting each other and hurting themselves mm. right and so that's the confusion i wanted to convey and it's very circular and mm. they leave each other and come back together uh repeatedly and so baby can i hold you tonight um if i told you the right words at the right time you'll be mine right um and all i can say is sorry after all these years and can't even explain what i've done to you so <laughs> I find, it such an, I find it an ironic pairing. Yeah. Because I feel like she's the one who is... Like, she shouldn't be apologising to anyone. Because huh? the, I feel like the narrator should not be apologising to anyone. Yeah, oh, but this is about Magda, right? Yes, yes, you're right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, but still, why is she apologizing? Uh, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so in keeping with books and rhymes, so with books and rhymes, the 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 strong overarching theme of books and rhymes is to introduce listeners to a wider landscape of authors and also to make reading more exciting and to ignite other senses whilst you're reading books. And it is with that in mind, ooh, <laughs> that I ask the wonderful authors to pick a book that you would recommend to readers who want to further explore the themes and topic of your story and pair it with a song or an album. So I'm going to ask Miron to for the book that you paired with The Wall. So the book that I paired is a, a book of, it's an anthology of essays. It's called The Displaced Refugee Writers on Refugee Lives. I have an essay in it, but it's uh, composed of essays from 17 writers who had been refugees at some point in their lives. And it's edited by Viet Dan Nguyen. Um, and I just feel like the, the experience of the book and seeing all of these different um, kind of paths is telling of what is universal in the experience and also what makes it so multifaceted and so distinct um, and it you know because it touches on different characters and helps elucidate the underlying kind of background of the characters that's the book that I would have that I would choose and you picked two songs as I your parents well so I picked so in Ethiopia there's a, a song style at Tizita which is translated as memory it's a song of mm. nostalgia and um i it's a musical scale actually um and so the two songs that i chose one is by mamed ahmed who did a very kind of popular well-known tizita and also i brought back my sister uh, because she did a tizita as well and i just what i liked about having these side by side is you can 
hear the scale of it. And the scale in and of itself just has such a profound sense of nostalgia and loss and longing uh, and just the, it, just the way the instruments are played. So. by Mahmoud Ahmed and the second one that I'm going to play is Yesterday is a Tizita. of a tizita, it's almost like a blues. Um, and because the book has, it, I mean, it's, it's based on a, a universal loss, a loss of home by every single person who wrote for it. Um, I felt like that was the style that most evoked the book. I think it is interesting how the same song, sung by two different generations. Yes. Was that an intentional choice on your part? Yes, I thought that uh, hearing it play differently, you could see what what the scale is, but it still seems like it has that. I still feel that nostalgia and loss and longing um, and really sadness uh, when I hear it both ways. Even though um, you know it's interpreted differently and comes from different sources. So, Chico, I ask you the same question: a book you would recommend to readers who are interested in further exploring the themes of all our lives and the song that you would pair it with. Oh, I picked um, Crime and Punishment by <laughs> <laughs> Crime and Punishment by Fyodor Dostoevsky. <laughs> and the song I paired it with is um, Joan Sebastian Bach's um, Air on G String. G-string is um, one work by Bach that I've come to, I mean, I've tried reenacting it, but <laughs> I feel so right. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel it captures the nuances of the lives of the characters in my story. I, so it's, it's me sitting at my desk, picturing the lives, picturing how these characters go about their lives in a sort of cinematic way and air on G-string playing in the background. And so which was what made me choose that song. Mm. It's quite a calming, well, 
is quite a calm to me a calming song for a quite um a not calm narrative. <laughs> <laughs> and Nana, I asked you for a book you you would recommend once again for people who want to further explore the themes. And once again, you picked two books. <laughs> well, three books actually. It's kind of hard for me because I do have um, it's a two-volume story, and one story is told in the in the parents' point of view, and another story is told in the um, adopted child's point of view. So for the adopted child, she has a very singular idea of herself, and she takes no guff. So I chose Toni Morrison's Suda um, as a you know the idea of a strong, headstrong woman who kind of defines her own way in life. And I also chose. Uh, Laura Neil Hurston's Their Eyes Were Watching God mm. um, as another classic at So Janie from Their Eyes Were Watching God also chooses her own path that makes her own way in life, um, uh, despite all the disapproving townsfolk. So these two books were kind of ways that I could I saw women who found their own agency. And Zora, in my second part of my volume, she definitely does that. And I chose it uh, for women by uh, Nina Simone to pair with that. Much of peaches. <laughs> that was intentional. <laughs> yeah, because the name is Zara. You know? <laughs> You're meant to go Zara. <laughs> I was like, you get into the good road. What happened? <laughs> you also picked another book. The Levers. Okay, I chose The Levers by um, Lisa Coe because that is also a story of um, international adoption and longing and love, but also a story of displacement. And um, um, the mother in that story and her son are separated by um, because she's deported from the United States and she's sent back to China. And for, for many years, uh, her son doesn't know what happened to her because he's adopted by an American family. His name has changed, much as uh, Zora's name has changed. And we don't even know that um, Zora's name is Zora till the la the very last lines of the second volume, because her parents, they, you know, when the lady brings her to America, she says, what do you want to call her? Oh, just call her anything, that one. So they call her Winsome. And um, so but the, the entire story of the volume one, they call her Our Girl. Our Girl was came to us from Africa. Our Girl, we tried to love her. So she's, her name is taken from her as much as her culture, her family, her sense of self, uh, much as the, the narrator um, uh, in 
uh, Lisa Coe's The Leavers is given an American name, adopted by an American family, and told like this particular way of being is what you need to do to be American and to be acceptable. So, yeah. Mm. Speaking of acceptability, skinned. <laughs> skinned, yes. I ask you the same question. A book that is evocative of the feelings that skinned engenders. Yes, and, oh. and, and a book you would recommend to people who want to explore it and the song you pair it with. Um, yes, the book I picked was um, Angela Carter's Wayward Girls and Wicked Women. And um, I honestly, I, I really think that uh, if I had to write a memoir or just talk, like, put my work under a category, it would be, oh, I write about Wayward Girls and Wicked Women. Um, and so I, I picked that book because it is a... Um, so she, it's an anthology, anthology that she edited, and it only has about six or seven stories in it, and they come from all different parts of the world, but it deals with this particular question of, um, like, hierarchy, and, like, hierarchy amongst women and the ways that it plays out. Um, I just, it's a really, really interesting um, uh, anthology, and it's, uh, and it, it contains one of the, one of the stories in there, and I won't tell you which one, I'm just gonna read the whole thing, is one of my um, one of my top 10 favorite um, short stories. Um, and the album, I picked an album to pair with the book, and then also with, I guess, it's skinned in general, but um, the I Put a Spell on You by Nina Simone, that entire. <laughs> she is, she really is. And um, I picked that album, um, uh, because there is, I mean, you know, it's, it's very, you know, Nina sings, she sings a lot about uh, love and sort of women being wronged um, either by society or by men. Uh, and she also just talks about, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, like black people being wronged. Mm -hmm. And I like there's it's a very nuanced and interesting album. And um, and I think it pairs well with um, Wayward Girls and Wicked Women because um, within that that, that um, anthology are uh, a lot of characters for whom individual songs in the in the album like resonates with with the yeah the trajectory. So. I put a spell on you. Cause you Yeah, and so, and if if you're, if you're familiar with Angela Carter, she you know she she's you know known for her her fairy her fairy tales, her different takes on um, uh, fairy tales, and so in this anthology, are a lot of sort of witchy women, and I I thought that you know that also fit with that wonderful Fitting, casting of Amazing. spells. And Cherry, I ask you the same for a book you recommend to people who want to further explore the theme of So My Mouth and a song that you picked to go with it? Yes, I picked an, a, a book that was a collection of nonfiction pieces. And the book is called Invisible Stories from Kenya's Queer Community. And it's by Kevin Washiro. Um, and yeah, and the, the album I picked was the whole soundtrack <laughs> for the movie Rafiki that was banned in Kenya. 
that I haven't gotten to watch yet, but because uh, it was banned. Mm. <laughs> but I, the soundtrack is amazing, and the soundtrack was made by someone I went to school with, to high school with. So, yeah. You picked the whole soundtrack. Yeah. Is there one song you want us to play today? Yes, uh, stay. Walk with me far above the horizon. Lay with me, we can put the stars to bed. Watching me till the morning sun arises. Wait with me, just wait with me till then. Walk with me. Far above the horizon Lay with me We can put the stars to bed Watch with me Yeah, why this song in particular? Stay, uh, Stay is a lovely song. I like the airiness. And I recognize the voice because she was in my class in high school. And, <laughs> and now she's a musician. And... It's just, it's just a lovely song. Just like most of the songs on the soundtrack. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Thank <laughs> you so much, all of you. Yeah, thank um, you. Do, I'm now going to open it up to the floor. If anyone has any questions you have for our wonderful writers. Yes, I see one person there. Um, if, do you want to come forward? Yeah, why not? You're lovely. <laughs> uh, my question is, well, thank you. First of all, thank you all of you for sharing your lovely stories, wonderful stories, and I wish you all the best with the prize. My question is for Leslie. Is it Leslie? Yeah. And your book is called Skin. The story, story skin. The story skin, right, okay. Um, I hope I have understood it well enough. I mean, we only got a snippet of it. Um, I understood, or I took from the conversation that the premise, if you want, or at least, you know, what I thought to be the premise, is something in the line of women being naked, women who have not been claimed or married. Mm -hmm. And once they are claimed or married, then they are closed. And I find myself wondering, um, you could have chosen any other symbol, you know, bald head or shaved head, bare feet, anything. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, why did you choose naked? What did you associate or what's the symbol about naked? I did find it fascinating and I wonder if you could tell me. Okay. Um. I, you stay here? No. <laughs> <laughs> you can't um, thank you for your question. Um, I picked I picked nakedness because it's very uncomfortable. It is, and it like it's like this is really uncomfortable. Comfortable to inhabit a body that is like um, like unwillingly naked. I mean, it's just you know it's um, and. I also, I, you know, I arrived at the premise um, for the story after talking to uh, a very good friend of mine who had recently gotten married, and um, she's this sort of person who is, um, and she will say this, I'm, she's very, very strange, and <laughs> and being a very, very strange young woman in Nigeria is like not ideal, and her parents um, and just her entire family had spent their whole lives trying to correct the strangeness of hers and you know one of the, th the threats was like you'll no one will ever want to marry you like this and well somebody married her like that Yay. and all of a sudden like like all the things all the strangeness 
um, that she had you know, sort of inhabited her whole life, like, or didn't matter anymore. Like, you know, it was like, oh, yes, I, I have always vehemently disagreed to this part of you, but you managed to secure, like, you managed to do your duty and secure, like, you know, your mate, therefore, you know, it's okay now. Um, this is sort of, and, you know, we were talking about it, and we kind of literally was like, oh, it's, she says, like, being, I didn't, like, I didn't realize that being married would, essentially give me cover to be myself like without anyone you know and that's sort of that is what um eventually led to this premise and so it, it was uh, like very much the idea of being being covered and being granted like a level of protection yeah wow do we have more questions people usually have questions <laughs> and they keep it and later they tell me, I had questions. Can now I ask choice. someone a question? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I have a question from here. Um, <laughs> yes. And so I, I, I really loved that the um, narrator was not, like the gender of the narrator was not defined. And I was wondering what, what the effect that you um, wanted to create and also if what you thought the story would do would lose by having it defined by either as a boy or a girl? I didn't necessarily think, think that it would lose something, but I thought it might add something to kind of offer this undefined aspect. What I realized, so I wrote it without, when it, the first draft, I had in mind a gender, um, but I didn't, but I realized that you know, different themes would come out. There were, uh, there, if, if the reading is, you know, different kind of like aspects of learning, learning gender and this character who's displaced and trying to fit in, um, you know, kind of finding these lessons either through the relationships at school or through the relationship with this mentor um, could, would be like, would be learning different things um, about him or herself. Um, and, what I, I think when I really kind of decided to keep it that way was when I had shared it with readers and had realized that there were slightly different readings. And I, it's something that I've done a few times with stories where I, I'm just trying to cover as much ground as I can and I realize that it offers this alternative. Um, I hope that answers the question. Yes. <laughs> I love the love fest. <laughs> Any more questions? Come on through, girl. <laughs> Fascinating. And the books, just listening to the summary, it sounds like the books were deep and somewhat dark and complex. So for each of you, if you were to summarize your book in three words or your stories, in three, I keep saying book. <laughs> if you were to summarize your story in three words or less, how would you summarize what you've written? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Okay, let's ask Tochiko. Not because you're a man, but because we've not asked you a question. <laughs> so. Well, I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really thought of my story in three words or less, because it's difficult to do. I mean, it's difficult to write the short story itself. Um... I still haven't figured it out. So you may want to start with someone nah, else. Cause you're, nah, because uh, nah, uh, you're passing the box to women. Answer. 
Answer. Patriarchy. Men has power. Oh yeah. Answer. Sorry. <laughs> Migratory. Um, human experience. Okay. The floor is open to whoever wants to go next. I'm biased towards women. <laughs> I'm going to fudge and say darkly comedic as one. <laughs> I will also say poignant and jarring. Mm. <laughs> they will avoid avoiding eye contact. Right. <laughs> um, female friendships matter. Ooh! Ooh, mic drop. <laughs> Shoot it like a, a 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. <laughs> Two words. So let me start. I can, I can go for two words. And then okay. Um, so I would say wistful, um, unsettled, and uh, and that's where I, <laughs> I got to two. Wistful, unsettled, and seeking. And seeking. Seeking. Wistful, unsettled, and seeking. Seeking. Like seeking something out? Oh, seeking something yes. out, yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. I would say mouth sewn shut. <laughs> 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 no! Nah, 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 nah. I haven't vetoed. <laughs> okay, so if I wasn't vetoed, what other three words would you pick? <laughs> I would say painful, painful, sad, exhausting. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I think yeah. that's all. I think that's a good place to conclude today's conversation. <laughs> it's not exhausting. It's exciting. Yes, it's exciting. And we're going to finish with a playlist. We're going to play the playlist of the song. So enjoy, bask in the glorious music of the 2019 shortlisted Kane Price stories. Could you please applaud our wonderful, wonderful <laughs> You have experienced a live show. You have experienced a conversation. The conversation lives on on the podcast. Ooh. I like you guys. Thank you. Um, so um, go to booksandrhymes.com to subscribe to the mailing list. If you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor and subscribe, rate and review Books and Rhymes on iTunes and your favorite podcast listening platforms. Tell your friends about the podcast and continue the conversations by following at Books and Rhymes on Twitter and Instagram. And also broaden the conversation by sending an email to booksandrhymes at gmail.com or tweeting, Instagramming with the hashtag Books and Rhymes. Until next time, see you. Don't forget to that the playlist is available to listen to in the show notes. Thank you so much and have a most excellent week. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.